0: the reading of the Sioux City Journal newspaper, dated Wednesday, February the 15th, and I'm your reader, Kevin Boucher. And the first story from the newspaper has a headline, Crime Up in South Sioux City in 2022. And this article was written by reporter Dolly Butts. South Sioux City saw a 7.8% increase in serious and violent crime last year, According to data provided by the City Council on Monday, the data came from the Police Department. A total of 565 Part 1 crimes, which include homicide, forcible rape, robbery, aggravated and simple assault, burglary, larceny, motor vehicle theft, and arson, were reported in 2022, so that was 565, which compares with 524 the previous year. The crime statistics are based upon part one crimes reported to the FBI under the National Incident-Based Reporting System. South Sioux City logged eight forcible rapes in 2022, and that is up from 21. Burglaries increased from 14 to 18, and larcenies from 314 to 316 during that time period. Motor vehicle thefts jumped from 29 to 41, while simple assaults increased from 128 to 158. No homicides or arsons were reported in either 2021 or 2022. The last homicide in South Sioux City occurred in 2017, while the last arson was tallied in 2020. Robberies dropped from four in 2021 to two in 2022, according to the police data. And the National Crime Reporting Database also allows the South Sioux City Police Department to track all other reportable crimes, such as vandalism, identity theft, stolen property offenses, and even drug offenses as well. And after adding these reportable crimes in with Part 1 crimes, the city reported a 5.7% increase in total crime in 2022. 989 total crimes were reported, up from 935 in 2021. And the headline... Lechner Lumber to relocate operations and build a new office building and warehouse. And this uh, was written by Sioux City Journal reporter Dolly Butts. Lechner Lumber plans to relocate its operations to a new facility at the northeast corner of Floyd Boulevard and 4th Street. The project, which represents a capital investment of a million and a half dollars, includes the construction of a new 1,872-square-foot office building and an 11,985-square-foot warehouse building with an entrance off of Fifth Street. The Sioux City Council is expected to vote on a resolution on Monday that, if approved, would then authorize a development agreement and a minimum assessment agreement with Cyclone on Floyd, LLC, This separate entity was established to construct and own the new facility. Cyclone on Floyd, LLC, will then lease the facility back to Lechner Lumber. That's according to city documents. Lechner Lumber currently leases a space at 200 South Court Street. The full-service supplier of building materials for commercial and residential customers will retain all nine employees after the relocation. The new location will significantly increase operational efficiencies and safeties by allowing all of the company's buildings to be on one site, the documents stated. City staff has worked to finalize a development agreement and minimum assessment agreement with Cyclone on Floyd LLC to provide assistance for the project. As a part of the proposed development agreement and minimum assessment agreement, the developer will commit to investing $1.4 million to construct a new office and warehouse building, as well as to enter into a minimum assessment agreement of $1.2 million beginning in January of 2024, and that will continue for 10 years. The city, in turn, will provide 75% property tax rebates on the new incremental taxes created by the value added to the property for a period of five years. Total assistance by the city is estimated to be at about $145,000. Headline, Sioux City's Bed Bath & Beyond will be closing. And this article was written by reporter Jared McNett. The Sioux City Bed and Bath and Beyond location is joining the ever-growing ranks of storefronts. The New Jersey-based retail chain is closing. Bed, Bath and Beyond included the Sioux City business at 5751 Sunnybrook Drive on a February 7th list of nationwide closures which are also affecting stores in Cedar Rapids, Coralville, and Davenport, Iowa, as well as Grand Island, Nebraska. A new wave of shutterings was announced in a Monday filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission, and it comes as Bed Bath & Beyond struck a deal to raise $1 billion in funds amid attempts to beat back bankruptcy. That's according to NBC News and The Wall Street Journal. According to the news source Axios, Bed Bath & Beyond had about 950 locations through November 2022 and will be down to about 480. After all of the proposed closures are done, the company had as many as 1,552 stores in 2017. And the headline for this next article Charges filed against a Princeton man in a UTV crash in which a child was left unconscious in a ditch. This article was written by reporter Thomas Geyer. Charges have been filed against a driver of utility vehicle that crashed on December 1st in Princeton, injuring all six people on board. Kurt Damon Bell, 54, of Princeton, was driving the camouflage 2022 800 cc utility vehicle that crashed at 6:22 p.m in the 26 500 block of 257th street bell had five passengers on the utv ranging in age from 11 to 19 years old sheriff said the Inve- sheriff investigator said the vehicle was eastbound on the south side of 257th street when bell lost control the vehicle appeared to have struck a fence post and rolled into a ditch bell fled the scene on foot investigators said leaving the 11 year old in the ditch the child suffered a concussion and a loss of consciousness according to the sheriff's report investigators suspected that bell was under the influence of alcoholic beverages at a search warrant For a blood sample showed a result of 0.141 blood alcohol level the legal limit for driving is 0.08 two of the passengers had to be airlifted to university of iowa hospitals and clinics in iowa city while bell and the three other passengers were taken to genesis medical center in davenport for treatment Bell was booked into the Scott County Jail at 6.37 p.m. Monday. He was released after posting 10% of a $36,300 bond through a bonding company. And he will make a first appearance on the charges in Scott County District Court at a later date. Headline. A Yankton man has been sentenced to federal prison for selling fentanyl. And this article was written by reporter Nick high track. A Yankton, South Dakota man has been sentenced to more than 10 years in federal prison for selling fentanyl. Justin Langan, 38, pleaded guilty in November in U.S. District Court in Sioux Falls to conspiracy to distribute a controlled substance. He was sentenced on February the 7th to 121 months in prison and will serve five years on supervised release after completing his prison sentence. According to the United States Attorney's, Gen- Attorney's Office, Langen conspired with others in June 2021 to sell more than 400 grams of fentanyl. Langen allegedly obtained the fentanyl pills from a co conspirator and sold them to the drug customers. And the headline Newton Man Sues Police for False Arrest. Officers countersue for defamation of character, and this article was written by reporter Christopher Braunschweig of the Newton Daily News. Six months after the arrest of a college student caused an uproar in the Newton community and spurred furious online discussions, the police department there is now being sued over a traffic stop for false arrest and civil rights violations, among other allegations. And in turn, the officers, they're counter-suing for defamation. Filings from the United States District Court for the Southern District of Iowa Central Division on February 2nd showed that Taysen Galanakis, 19, and his Des Moines-based attorneys Matthew Bowles and Adam Witoski are suing the city of Newton, Police Chief Rob Burdess, Officer Nathan Winters, and Lieutenant Christopher Wing. Shortly after Galancus filed his suit, the city filed counterclaims alleging that he made defamatory statements, intentionally inflicted emotional distress, invaded the privacy, and filed false complaints against Winters and Wing. They have legal counsel, and they are represented by the city's law firm of Brick Gentry, P.C., Newton Mayor Mike Hansen told Newton News in a recent interview that the city is moving the lawsuit to federal court. Galakis told Newton News he was informed of the city's countersuit by his lawyers and that his motivation behind pursuing the lawsuit was to remind the city of law and order. And the headline for this article, 19-year-old man charged with felony eluding of Sioux City police and operating while intoxicated in a stolen car. And this story was written by reporter Jared McNett. A 19 year old man was arrested Thursday after Sioux City police say that he eluded peace officers for several miles in a stolen 2004 Toyota Camry. According to Sioux City Police Department records, Myron Allen Dumars refused to comply with the traffic stop and law enforcement officers then pursued him for several miles before deflating the car's tires with stop sticks. The day before, police say, a 2004 Camry was reported stolen from the 1300 block of Summit Street. The Camry finally stopped in the parking lot of the Hillcrest Shopping Center, 2500 Glen Avenue. That's a quote from a Sioux City Police Department press release. DeMars was then arrested and charged with second-degree theft, felony eluding, reckless driving, operating while intoxicated, driving without a license, assault on a peace officer, and failure to obey a traffic control device. Headline. Police seep the public's health as they search for a woman who failed to appear on charges. And this article was written by reporter Earl Horlick. The United States Marshal Service, Northern Iowa Fugitive Task Force, is seeking the following person. Sabrina Bradley, 50. She is 5 foot 5 inches tall and weighs 220 pounds. Bradley is wanted by the U.S. Marshals Service for failure to appear for a pre-trial release revocation hearing. She was on pretrial release for conspiracy to distribute methamphetamine. Anybody with information, call the marshals, 712-252-0211. And the headline for this next article, Remsen woman sentenced to prison theft from dependent adult, and this is written by reporter Nick Hytrack. A Remsen, Iowa woman was sentenced on Monday to five years in prison for stealing thousands of dollars from a dependent adult who was unable to make his own decisions. Samantha Hageman, 44, pleaded guilty in September in Sioux County District Court to one count of second-degree theft, which was amended from first-degree theft as a part of a plea agreement. A charge of forgery was also dismissed. She was ordered to pay $19,450 in restitution to the victim's estate. Hegeman obtained money from May 2021 through November 2021 through ATM withdrawals, transactions at businesses and checks from the victim, who lived in a whole Iowa nursing home. Knowing that the victim could not make decisions for himself, Hedgerman continued to withdraw money from his account and went to the nursing home to collect the checks from her victim. And the headline for this next article, Bettendorf grandparents are angry that they say a pep rally was a drag show. And this article was written by Tom Lowy and Olivia Allen of the Sioux City Journal newspaper. Cindy Dirks is outraged. An outspoken critic of Bettendorf School District policy, Dierks is making social media accusations regarding an event last week at the high school. In a series of Facebook posts and later in an interview with the Quad City Times newspaper, Dierks claimed a pep rally held Friday at Bettendorf High School was a mandatory attendance drag show. A grandparent of students in the district Dix regularly is critical of studies, events, and a curriculum that she interprets as having something to do with sexuality or gender identity. School officials say that she was incorrect in categorizing the pep assembly, which they said was a recognition of winter sports athletes. Attendance was required, which is routine, because the rally was held during the school day. The event included performances by the school band and show choir. Dirks posted a photograph of a student that was taken during the rally to claim the event was a burlesque show and pretty much a gay promotion, Dirks says. She said she was getting her information from students who were actually there. During the rally, a student who won a peer-determined formal Friday contest removed a jacket to reveal an open shoulder top. Dirk's posted a photo of the student whom she identified as queer and trans and a drag queen. Her conduct drew the ire of Bettendorf School President Rebecca Eastman, who wrote the following response. As board president, a parent of a BHS student, and as a human being, I am appalled by the recent social media posting made by an ill-informed Bettendorf student. Our students have the right to a safe, high-quality education and should never be subject to public ridicule nor hate speech, especially from an adult. Dirks on Monday denied that her use of the student's photo, along with references to queer, among other things, amounted to bullying. When the teens are bullied, she said, they often are causing the bullying. Bullying is just a part of our society. Dirks said the Bettendorf school district offers the following parental guidelines on its website. Quote, be sure to use caution in posting pictures of others online and especially those of others' children. Be mindful that you are personally responsible for the content that you publish online headline. Another store is set to close And this article was written by reporter Mason Doctor. Gamers, which is a video game store in downtown Sioux City, is closing down. The retailer, which has other locations in Des Moines, Omaha, and Lincoln, posted an announcement of the closure on Monday on its Facebook page. No date was given for the closure, and the other locations are also slated to close. Quote, they write, We are sad to announce that Gamers will be closing down. Although it's tough news, we want to thank our local gaming communities for all of their awesome support over the years. The Facebook post said, a clearance sale is planned. Gamers opened its Sioux City location at 414 Pierce Street, formerly Sportsman's Sporting Goods, about a year ago. The store specialized in newer and older video games and trading card games as well. And one of the more unusual attractions in the store is a purportedly rare, circa 1990s, Super Nintendo video game kiosk still in working condition. And the headline for this next article, Crescent Park Will Be Torn Down. And this article was written by reporter Caitlin Yamada. Crescent Park Elementary will be demolished to make way for a new apartment complex. The Sioux City School Board on Monday unanimously approved a bid from Koskovich and Murphy Developments of Sioux City to build one or two three-story market-rate apartment buildings. A final public walkthrough of the building will take place from 3 to 5 p.m. on Tuesday, February the 21st. The district also received two bids for the Crescent Park property, 114 West 27th Street, as well as from a proposal from the Urban Native Center. The high bid, which the board accepted, offered the Sioux City Community School District $150,000 for the property. Koskovich and Murphy Developments recently developed the District 42 apartments in Sunnybrook and the Elk Greek Housing Subdivision. Currently, they are building a 24-unit apartment complex in the Morningside area, and the builder was also behind the redevelopment of the former Metz Baking Company plant on Highway 75. The aging facility was built in 1920 and is by far the oldest school building in the district. The school district closed building in 2016 when perry creek elementary opened combining students from crescent park lincoln and clark elementary one official said that if he had to grade the building condition between an a and an f he would give it a d prior to posting hunt elementary students the building held bryant elementary students while the new school was being built The school district has sold off a variety of former school buildings to the public and has become churches and apartment complexes or demolished by the new owner. And the headline uh, for this next newspaper article, a local school teacher wins an award in $3,000. And this article was written by reporter Jared McNett. A Westline Community School District teacher had something to celebrate this past week after being recognized with a state award. On February the 10th, the Iowa Governor's STEM Advisory Council announced in a news release that it had chosen Westline Industrial Technology instructor Shane Peterson as one of his as one of 6 state educators who go above and beyond to inspire student interest in and awareness of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. With Peterson in particular, the Iowa STEM Advisory Council noted the work that he's done over a decade to expand an intro level woodworking class into something more all encompassing for students interested in STEM fields. The release also pointed out that Peterson has received over $200,000 in grants for his classroom. In addition to the 2023 Iowa STEM Teacher Award, Peterson himself is getting $3,000 and half of that money is spent is meant for in-school use, while the other half can be used at Peterson's discretion. Peterson will be recognized once more as part of STEM Day at the Iowa State Fair in Des Moines in August. And the headline for this next article, a Sioux City contractor is in the process of getting rid of 200 trees to fight a deadly insect. And this article was written by reporter Dolly Butts. A contractor is back in Sioux City now working to remove roughly 200 ash trees with 16 to 24 inch trunk diameters in the midtown and near north side neighborhoods. Last month, Kelly Bach, Sioux City Parks maintenance field supervisor, said the contractor previously knocked out 40 trees in two days. Cold weather prevented completion of the work at that time. Those trees that are being removed are going to a local landscaper to be ground, so the trees will be repurposed as colored wood chip mulch. The removal of ash trees on city-owned streets, including the public right-of-way, are a part of the city's plan to manage the emerald ash borer. The Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship announced on January the 19th that the invasive ash-killing tree insect from Asia has been confirmed in Sioux City in samples collected from the trees. The emerald ash borer has now been found in all but three of Iowa's 99 counties, Plymouth, Palo Alto, and Emmett. Larvae of the borer feeding on the inner bark damages and eventually kills the ash trees within two to four years, Indicators of an infestation include canopy thinning leafy sprouts shooting from the trunk or main branches, serpentine galleries under the bark, bark splitting, woodpecker damage, and the unique 8-inch D-shaped exit holes. Last fall, city staff identified ash trees that would be removed and sent letters to the impacted property owners and when they didn't hear back from certain property owners he said staff knocked on the doors and deliver the uh, letters property owners have the option to treat the trees Bach said that only about 2% opted for treatment ash trees slated for removal have been brightly marked staff is already working to identify other areas of trees that need to be removed and will continue with the larger populated areas and work into it for the years to come, said Bach, who also noted that replanting is a work in progress. Property owners can find out more information about removing or treating ash trees by calling the City of Sioux City. And that telephone number is 712-279-6132. Once again, the telephone number to get in touch with Sioux City is 712-279-6132. Note that city offices are open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. So you can call that number to find out more about having damaged ash trees removed from your property. And the headline for this next article, Sioux City Council to Hear Two Garbage and Recycling Proposals at their next meeting, and this article was written by reporter Dolly Butts. The Sioux City Council directed city staff on Monday to prepare two solid waste and recycling proposals to present at the council's February 27th weekly meeting. At its meeting, held on February the 6th, the council deferred a vote on a resolution that would approve a 10-year agreement between the city and gill hauling for solid waste collection, recycling, and disposal services. At the time, council members said they wanted to hear more public input on the proposed resolution. The new 10-year agreement contains a floor consumer price index adjustment of 3% to a ceiling consumer price index adjustment of 5% for the length of the agreement. All service locations within the agreement would receive new solid waste and recycling containers. The agreement, as initially proposed, also recommends that recycling collection take place every other week to keep the costs down. I would like to see the big recycling container, and then if they want a smaller one, they can request it. And that is a quote from City Councilwoman Julie Schoner. Sean McDowell of Gill Hauling, he said that 56% of residents have a recycling container right now. Of those nearly 15,000 homes, he said two thirds put recyclables out every single week. City Councilman Alex Waters expressed concerns about keeping weekly recycling and having everyone's household bills rise by $21 a year. He said, quote, I think that we are going to make a lot of tough budgetary decisions over the next coming years. And so putting an extra $21 on taxpayers for that, that may or may not be utilizing, is something that I want to think about a little bit more, he said. You are listening to the reading of the Sioux City Journal newspaper dated Wednesday, February the 15th on Iris the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. And now, let's turn to today's obituaries. Rodney Lee Bars, 74, of Ponca, died on Wednesday, February the 8th, after a short battle with cancer. He was born on May the 9th, 1948, in Rosalie, Nebraska, to Clinton Bars and Darlene Robb Bars, he was the oldest of six children, brother to Holly, Clint, Starla, Laurie, and Dana. The family moved to to Dakota City and he graduated from South Sioux City High School in 1966 where he still holds many records as a multi-sport athlete. He married Marcia Metcalf in 1968 they were together for nearly 58 years and would have celebrated their 55th wedding anniversary on February the 10th. Together, they raised five children Tiffany Bars Kane and Dan Kane, Blaine Bars, Miranda Owen, Derek Bars, and Taylor Bars on an acreage near Ponca. Some of his greatest joys were his grandchildren. Mackenzie Oynne, Josiah Meade, Haley Jensen, Brayden Oynne, Colton Kane, Jaden Kane, Tanner Oyne, Zane Hackney, and Blake Bars. And they all loved their papa. He undoubtedly was their biggest fan. He was preceded in death by his father and mother, Clinton A. Bars, and Darlene Rabb bars, and father and mother-in-law, Virgil and Betty Metcalf. A special thanks to his friends, Tim Frankel, Kim and Terry Sailors, Lauren Rogers, Joe Walker, Tom Shop, Gordon Goodsell, and all that supported Ronnie during this time. Condolences may be directed to 507 Baywood Court, Sergeant Bluff, Iowa, 51054. Stephanie L. Bata, 61, of Sioux City, passed away on Tuesday, February the 7th, following a long battle with lupus. Meyer Brothers Morningside Chapel is in charge of arrangements. Stephanie Lynn, the daughter of Rupert and Lucille Rogue Lerma, was born October the 9th 1961 in Sioux City. She grew up and attended school in Sioux City. In late 1977, Stephanie started dating Thomas Tom Botta, and they were united in marriage on October 20, 1979 at the Immaculate Conception Church. This union was blessed with four daughters, and the family made their home in Sioux City. She cherished spending time with her family and loved her grandchildren very dearly. She is survived by her husband, Thomas Tom Botta of Sioux City, four daughters, Victoria Watkins of Grimes, Iowa, Jacqueline Botta of Sioux City, Michael Botta of Sioux City, and Brianna Botta of Sioux City, three grandchildren, Danica Watkins, Evan Fuller, and Alvaia Fuller, four sisters, Patricia Provost of Sioux City, Teresa Lerma of Colorado Springs, Colorado, Denise Lerma of Dakota City, and Nicole Lerma of Colorado Springs. She is also survived by her brother-in-law, David Kissinger of Sioux City, Special friend, sister Lisa LaCroix of Missoula, Montana, special friend and son, Kenneth Clark of Sioux City, and several nieces and nephews. She was preceded in death by her parents, four siblings, Rupert Chico Lerma, Armando Lerma, Laura Kissinger, and Tina Lerma, brother in law, Everett Provost, two nephews, Terence Provost, and John Lerna, and she is also survived by her beloved dachshund named Max. Eldon Bray, 75, of Lamar's, passed away on Tuesday, February the 7th at the VA Medical Center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Arrangements are pending with the Rex Winkle Funeral Home in Lamar's. Eldon B. Bray was born on December 12th. 1947 in elma iowa to burl and lenora tesloff bray he graduated from charles city high school in 1967 and he enlisted in the united states navy on may 2nd 1968 eldon served in vietnam from february 20th 1969 to february the 20th 1970 and was honorably discharged in February of 1972. He began working for Fairway in the meat department in Charles City, Iowa, and was transferred to Fairway in Lamar's in 1972. Eldon was united in marriage uh, to Kathleen Cathy Brownmiller on January 12, 1974 in Lamar's, they made their home in Merrill and later moved to Lamar's. Eldon worked at Fairway for 14 years and then worked at IBP in Sioux City for 10 years. He then began working for Colbeck Incorporated in Lamar's until he retired. Eldon loved fishing and reading books, especially westerns and science fiction novels, he also loved animals and had several beloved pet dogs and cats over the years. Eldon is survived by his niece, Marcia and Bill Duncan of Charles City, nephew, Eric Vedder of Charles City, siblings-in-law, Jean Wilkin and Dan LaVon Brownmiller, Joyce Brownmiller and Pam Brownmiller, all of Lamar's, Best friends Wayne Colbeck and Nancy of Lamars, nieces and nephews Tammy and Alvin Allendinger, Irene Scott, Lisa and John Erdman, Amy and Gabe Davis, Brent and Teresa Brown Miller, Hope and Andy Majors, Todd and Carrie Brown Miller, Bart and Angie Brown Miller. Brian and Jessica Brownmiller, Don, Nate Rankin, Brownmiller, and Brett and Jennifer Brownmiller, and other extended relatives. Eldon was preceded in death by his parents, Burrell and Lenore Bray, parents-in-law, Cyril and Audrey Leesley Brownmiller, his wife, Kathy Bray, sister, Sherry and Donald Vetter siblings-in-law, Margaret and Doug Gall, Jim Brown-Miller, Timothy Brown-Miller, and Merle Wilkin, and nephews Scott Wilkin and Alan Scott. In lieu of flowers, memorials are preferred to Royal C. Johnson's Veterans Memorial Hospital in Sioux Falls. Mary Janice Rush Cahill, 86 years old, of Dakota City, passed away peacefully on Thursday, February the 9th in Sioux City. A funeral mass will be held at 1030 in the morning on Thursday at St. Michael's Catholic Church. Meyer Brothers Chapel is in charge of arrangements. She was born in Omaha, Nebraska to James and Kathleen, Catherine Pearl Breslin Rush, after her mother's passing, Mary was raised by her aunt, Margaret Bella, in Sioux City with her five cousins who were like siblings to her. After graduating from Helen High School in 1955, she worked as a telephone operator, a PBX operator, Dakota County election clerk, and an office secretary. In 1956, she married James Cahill, at St. Michael's Church in Sioux City. She was a beloved mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. She is survived by her three daughters and their spouses, Cheryl and Scott Malcolm, Margaret, Peggy, and Dennis Stolze, and Tammy Cahill Lane, all of Dakota City. She is also survived by six grandchildren, Tessa Adams, Callie Malcolm Bjorklund, Austin Stolzey, Brandon Stolzey, Tyler Lane, and Daniel Lane. Nine great-grandchildren, Kaitlyn Adams, Camden Adams, Amelia Adams, Kaitlyn Willis, Kyler Lane, Tyson Lane, Easton Lane, James Bjorklund, and Matthew Bjorklund and cousins Thomas Beller, Midge Bollmeyer, Judy Dennett, and Charles Beller. She was preceded in death by her husband James, parents Aunt Margaret Beller, and cousin Joseph Beller. And now turning to the uh, opinion page of the Wednesday, February 15th Sioux City Journal newspaper. And here is from Dan Lee's column, and he calls it, There is much to appreciate in the Amish community. And again, this is written by Dan Lee. In previous columns, I have noted that even though I am not a Roman Catholic, I find much to appreciate in the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. This includes Paul VI's Encyclical Populorum Progressio from 1967, Benedict's Encyclical Caritas in Veritate in 2009, and Pope Francis's Encyclical Laudato Si 2015, all of which I used as a sign reading in various courses that I teach. And because I have great appreciation for these and other documents of the Roman Catholic Church, I am sometimes asked why I just don't convert to Catholicism. That's not going to happen. I'm perfectly happy being a Lutheran, and there are some practices and teachings of the Catholic Church with which I am not comfortable. The fact that I would not be comfortable being a member of the Catholic Church, however, in no way diminishes my appreciation for the encyclicals noted above. Another religious group with which I recently spent some time with are the Amish, As I noted in a previous column, the students that I recently took to Montana for a special January course joined me in visiting an Amish farm and in attending a Sunday morning Amish worship services. As with Roman Catholicism, there is much that I appreciate in the Amish way of life. Unlike Catholic masses, which historically had been held in very ornate churches. Although that has changed over the years, Amish services are held in the homes of members, or, as in the case of the Amish service that we attended, in a meeting place that doubles as a schoolhouse when it is not being used as the site for the Sunday worship service. You go in there and you notice there is no religious art. In fact, there's no art of any type in the meeting place. Nor is there a pipe organ or any other musical instrument. The singing, which is powerful, is unaccompanied. The two-hour worship service is held every other week, with Sunday school classes for, being, for children being held on the intervening Sundays. As is the case of the Roman Catholic Church, there is no way that I could be a member of the Amish community. I am a veteran who served in the military during the height of the Cold War, and the Amish are pacifists who do not serve in the military or in any other type of official government capacity. Now, in my forty ninth year, As a member of the Augustana College faculty, I have dedicated my professional career to higher education. The Amish typically do not go beyond 8th grade. But although some Amish boys might go to trade school where they can learn carpentry and other construction skills, I am a strong believer in equal rights, including gender equality. The Amish are a patriarchal society. The leaders of their worship services are all men. The women prepare the lunch that is served after the worship service. Yet notwithstanding all these cultural differences, there is much that I appreciate in the Amish community. They are kind, gentle people who generally care about the well-being of others, including those who are English which is the term that they refer to, all of those who are not Amish. They believe in the gift of simplicity. The Amish are people who believe that quality of life is determined not by how many material possessions one has, but by time spent with family and friends and rejoicing in the beauty of the natural world which God has created. Above all else, they are people who are profoundly thankful, both to other members of the community and to the Creator who has created the world and all that exists in and around it. The minister who gave one of the sermons at the service we attended spoke of the danger of always wanting more and more, thinking that will bring happiness, which never does. And he is right about that. The Amish live lives insulated from the crash commercialism that afflicts so much of contemporary American society. And we have much to learn from them. And just as there is no way that I could be a Roman Catholic, there is no way I could be a member of an Amish community. Yet there is much to appreciate in both traditions we would do well to look beyond the differences, differences and gain a sense of the insightfulness of both traditions. And that was a column written by Dan Lee. He is a regular columnist. He is also a professor. He is the Marion Taft Cannon Professor in the Humanities at Augustana College. And continuing with the opinion page from the Sioux City Journal for February the 15th, there's a letter to the editor which begins up by saying, I'm a product of the greatest generation. I'm a baby boomer, and I am aware the greatest generation sacrificed so much so that we, their children, could have a fair, free, and decent chance of a better life than they had. And as we baby boomers age and enter into the twilight of our lives, we too wish the same for our children and grandchildren. And I'm afraid now that some kind of a madness has affected a portion of the United States population where truth, the rule of law, and common decency are vanishing and being replaced with lies, cheating, stealing, and the destruction of democracy as we know it. A few elected, unhinged government representatives seem to want to destroy everything that so many have sacrificed for, and no one does anything to stop them. If I lose Social Security, veterans' benefits, Medicare, or any other current benefit because these unhinged officials destroy it all, so be it. I have lived my life If these unhinged people are not stopped, the U.S. will suffer the same fate as all of the other great empires and destroy itself from within. And that letter to the editor was written by John Stetson of Sioux City. Let's see, let's find another letter. Oh yeah, here is another letter to the editor. Here it begins by saying, The Sioux City Journal's opinion piece last Sunday on book banning was both balanced and sensible. History should have taught us that book banning is not only the wrong thing to do, but it seldom works. When The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn was banned by many libraries in this country, Mark Twain penned thank you letters to those libraries because the banning had the effect of dramatically increasing the sales of the book. And as this journal's opinion piece deftly pointed out, the Internet market makes the banned material much more ubiquitous and accessible than it would have been but for the ban. And that is the opinion piece uh, sent by John Polifka of Mapleton, Iowa. And here is another opinion piece from the opinion page. This one is written by Patrice Unwaka. Headlined, Why Do I Love America? For its freedoms, opportunities, and progress. I love America because only in America can a poor guy off the boat, speaking with a thick Croatian accent, rise to become one of the most successful businessmen and recognizable TV personalities today. I'm talking about Shark Tank's Robert Herjevic. Only in America can an aspiring female screenwriter from communist Russia, Anne Ran, become one of America's most influential defenders of capitalism and individualism. Only in America can a little Caribbean girl raised in a poor crime-ridden Boston neighborhood go from watching PBS talk shows to regularly appearing appearing on PBS as a commentator. That's me. America is unique in that your origins do not determine your destination. We often hear and say, sky's the limit. But every member of our society has not always enjoyed a limitless future, throughout our history large groups of people such as native americans black people women immigrants and regular minorities were excluded from the inalienable right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness over the time the american people have done the hard work of recognizing injustices fixing broken systems and fighting to ensure that every person's humanity and dignity are upheld. We are far removed from the pervasive legal and social discrimination in institutions and culture that gave rise to the Ku Klux Klan and the Know-Nothing Party. Racists and racism still exist in our society but they are fewer in number and weaker in power than their predecessors. Periods of tranquility and prosperity were often disrupted by cries for help, justice, equality, and opportunity from native people and foreigners. For generations, people have been driven by famine, drawn to freedom, or dragged in chains to our shores whether by choice of force immigrants have added color and texture to the fabric of america making our nation richer and stronger as a result today america welcomes in excess of one million people yearly as it did for my family and me for a person of faith america offers freedom to worship for a woman America offers equality with men. For a black person, America offers opportunities to compete regardless of race. For an immigrant, America offers economic mobility regardless of nationality. America makes no guarantees of success but provides an open door, though not an open border. I checked all of the boxes above, several of which would assign me as an oppressed status, according to critical race theorists. But I reject such a demoralizing label. I keep dreaming, striving, and achieving because I live in this nation at this point in history, not despite it. Americans are one people knitted together by belief, not blood. As individuals achieve their goals, collectively the country advances and we draw closer to the Founding Fathers' vision of a more perfect union. And that does it for today's reading of the Sioux City Journal newspaper, dated Wednesday, February the 15th, and I'm your reader, Kevin Boucher. You can access a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org, at any time. Thanks for listening.